Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the last episode of Catching Foxes. I quit. I need this. I need this. <laughs> You're not allowed to quit. I need it. <laughs> oh, man. How are you? <clears throat> throat still giving me problems. I had to walk away right when you asked me to grab a uh, throat lozenge that I'm nervous to take because I listened to a podcast with Bishop Barron, and he had a throat lozenge, and I could hear it the entire time. I was thinking, please spit the lozenge, <laughs> the lozenge out for the duration of the show. <laughs> but uh, But I digress. You poor man. You poor, poor man. I know, right? Well, you're talking about me, right? You're giving me mm-hmm. pity? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am a poor man. How are oh, you, man? Yes. How are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm okay. It's been um insanely busy. Yeah. As I just feel like when we get older, like this time of the year just gets crazy. It's super weird. I, I'm booked all of March. Like we have a thing all of March. Yeah, me too. Every weekend. It's 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 crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um so it's it's good, but it's just kind of uh I am completely overwhelmed. So <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's not like it, it, and it's weird. It's not in a bad way, not in a, uh, oh my gosh, I'm behind. I'm in the weeds. It's more just, I have a lot going on. This is just how it's going to be for the next, until Easter, pretty much. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, when you're in charge of RCIA, everything gets fever pitched from here on out. Mm, yeah. I was just thinking about that earlier about how this time of the year has got to be for you. It's 10 times worse because of I, I'm launching a second RCIA class called Inclusion. And that's it, stupid. I know. I'm just kidding. No, it's I know. <laughs> no, uh, and that's for Protestants who are well-formed, who want to become Catholic, and they're already baptized. So mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about baptizing them at Easter Vigil. But there's 30 people in my class. <laughs> or excuse Jeez. me. Excuse me. I overestimate. 29. 29 people. <laughs> and we just did a class with 24 last semester. We are cranking out Protestants now, making them Catholic like there's no tomorrow. Wow, I really stumbled <laughs> over that. Yeah. That... Mm. 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 Hook, hook. Where's the hook? Where's the hook? <laughs> so I, uh, I got really emotional today. Can I tell you a little story? Oh, no. No, no. Good emotional. Were you thinking about me again? <laughs> Topless. The <laughs> halter tops. Um, the... Uh... <laughs> I was editing a talk. Um, our parish invited David Calavita, who is a life team guy, super creative dude, tattoos, etc. He came and did a presentation on mission and vision for your parish. Tight jeans. <laughs> Tight jeans, shaved head, no beard. What? And uh, he he did a really good job. He talked about dry bones. And then he like went in in a good way for the jugular about really emphasizing like you need to identify what's wrong in your ministry so you can change it. And I'm listening to him talk, and I'm really, really enjoying because I'm editing the, the audio, and it's up on my SoundCloud. If you go to soundcloud.com slash amdgomer, um, you can find it somewhere on there. And I'm listening to him, and I'm like, this is, this is really good. This is really inspiring. I need to focus on some of this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's Wednesday morning. Um, I, I had worked really late last night, so I was going to give myself a couple hours to, to do more work but just from home. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take 10 minutes and write a letter to our Patreon supporters. And I just wrote a letter saying thank you. And as I'm writing it, the more I write it, the more emotional I'm getting. And I'm like, this is just this is just awesome that human beings are listening to this and paying us money. And we had a couple people change their pledge from like, like we have one guy who's living on 
spare change and he upgrades his pledge from two to five dollars. We have like all these things mm. happen. And I was I was just really caught up in the whole deal. So I just wrote this thing thanking them from the bottom of my heart and then saying, listen, here's my Skype name. And I put my Skype name on there. I said, let's just talk. If you find me online, let's just talk. And so Zachary Stewart already messaged me and Mike Kapnick, Cap, Nap Pick, <laughs> Nap Pick. <laughs> I don't know. He, uh, he, you know, these people, they've already sent it to me. And also, it's just awesome. And I am excited that we get to do this show because it really does help my sanity to get feedback from people and just do this and talk to you. It's an excuse to talk to you. That's great. Look at you. And, you know, Catholic dick jokes and all. <laughs> Who's the happy little gomer? Who's the happy little, little gomer? <laughs> I am. Why am I so emotional? Ever since I had kids, <laughs> my brain <laughs> no. got rewired. Really? <laughs> Ever since then, huh? Damn it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Damn it, Luke. <laughs> you just shattered this carefully crafted self-image that I've had for the I last know. seven years. Oh, it's not me. I'm not emotional. Heaven you no. Li- you literally sobbed when, this one time when we were doing um, uh Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Senior Luke opens old wounds. <laughs> no, no, this isn't an old wound. Um, <laughs> when we did the senior otterings the, in college, which I went through twice. Um, <laughs> and then you did me, and you started talking about Thanksgiving, and then just then you, you just started uh, to sob, and then I started to cry, and then, and then we, everyone just like stared at us, and then we held each other and was like, "You guys get the lights, give us five minutes." <laughs> someone play some Chevelle. Someone, so, am I alone in here? Oh, um, Luke, we are not time. emotional. It is it is good that we are reserved men who can be an example <laughs> of masculinity. From the 1950s that we constantly uh, pretend is real, authentic masculinity. <laughs> we are. I am so happy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go eat a power bar, suck down some gel, and go go run a 5K. <laughs> I'm going to put on my Ed Hardy, and I'm going to turn up the Disturbed, and we're going to make a night of it. <laughs> turn um, up the Disturbed. Is that is that? Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bo- is that Disturbed? And, and, no, I, know, I, I don't think, think that is. Do, do, do you remember the band that had the song? It's like oh, waka waka. Get down with the sickness. I think that's that. I get down with the sickness. Yeah. I, um, oh yeah, I love that. Okay, go on. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a fan. Um, so, oh, I was got. I was getting real quick. I was getting my beard trimmed today, and Kid Rock came on. The mm. I can't remember which one, and I said, uh, I go. So, you guys got Kid Rock playing in this trendy establishment? She started laughing. She's like 19. She's like, I know, right? Ugh. And I said, me and a buddy back when we were in college, used to go to this redneck bar. And we had a set playlist. Number one, Ba with the Ba. <laughs> Number two, uh, Rollin' by Limp Biscuit. <laughs> I was and about to she, say that. And she just started dying uh, laughing. I said, at the time, it was known as the Metal Hokey Pokey. Move in, now move out. <laughs> hands up, hands down. And she just started dying laughing. And she's like, what do and you if- do? And I was like, I work for the church. And then she stopped talking to me. <laughs> That's such a great way to kill a, a good conversation is when people ask you what you do. It either goes, oh, if they're if they're like an old baby boomer here, they'll talk about the Catholic high school that they went to <laughs> and how good it is that it's, that I'm doing that. And if they're our age, that they just go, huh? Yep. Well, gotta go. So, <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. You teach at the schools and such. I went to Elder. <laughs> No comment here. Um, Good so we've got tons. I, I, I know we're trying to change the whole ten minute topic thing to quote unquote. Um, they are the listener. Yeah, 
questions because because we're not going to take ten minutes. Because sometimes but, we'll take four, sometimes we'll take eleven. Yeah. I think we should just still call them ten minute topics. Ten minute topics. So coming at you fast, gonna slap you in the ass. We got ten minute topics <laughs> for your face. Uh, that was the that was the patented ass slapping. Um, <laughs> and now for the paddling of the swollen ass. Uh, <laughs> what is that so, from? It's from the Simpsons episode with uh, the well, gosh, it's it's playoff of the stone. Oh yeah, cutters. The, yeah, playoff of the Masons. The Masons. Yeah. yeah. We do, we do. <laughs> Who makes Steve Gutenberg a star? Um, okay, so we have three from from two old two old Patreon questions, and one from Father Adam, who I believe is a Patreon support as well. So they got bumped to the top because that's how it works in the Catching Foxes land. Yeah, um, when you give us your money, we give you access. Okay, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm I'm starting a timer. I'm starting a timer. Biatch. Okay. All right, so we, here's here's what you call it. I mean, we'll still call it ten minute topics, but what we will mean by that is uh, we'll put a we'll um, have a limit of ten minutes. Okay, okay, so we can so go less, can but go. we won't go more. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I like that totally. So this is the first one. I, I think this is one that uh, a, a lot of um, millennials, especially because the old debt and the old e, the old economy and our desire to have jobs that. Like really have quote unquote like meaning, but don't have a really high pay pay paycheck. This becomes a little bit of an issue. Uh, how to approach tithing? Yeah. Okay. How to approach t- t- tithing? Um, Step one: give ten percent of your income. Step two: die because you can't pay your bills or buy food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think that I think I mean like obviously the ten percent is a really good rule, but if you look at like Christ, this is like what one. This is what actually it is. My boss who brought this up. It's my boss who brought this up. He's like, you know, the ten percent should be gross, and then he's like, but if you look at what like gross is in your gross income, there's a Simpsons joke there as well. But in reality, he goes if you look at what like Christ says, he says all of it. We should constantly be trying to give things away. So I think mm. that mm. the ten percent is a good guideline. Can I? But it, mm. yeah, yeah, go. go. Mm. I hate what your person just said. So. Uh, there is not a single commandment in the New Testament for 10%, which is the traditional tithe. The tithe is what was required of a Jewish male to give to essentially the priests of the temple. You tithe, you gave one-tenth of everything over. So one-tenth of your grain, one-tenth of your animals, one-tenth of your cash money. So all of that went one-tenth of your daughters. No, so you, <laughs> you, you tithe a tenth. That's what it means, to give away a tenth. Now, in the New Testament, nowhere does it say you have to tithe. Uh, but we are given so much greater graces than in the Old Testament that one expects even more to be given uh, to out of, you know, a just generosity to one's neighbor and all that stuff. Now, when Jesus uses the widow might, this is the thing that kind of ticks me off. And it's something that I used to do. So there's a story, it's a famous story, the widow's might, right? All these people are putting in their offerings. And then the poor widow drops in two coins. And Jesus says, see that woman? She gave more than anyone else because she gave, everyone else gave from their surplus, but she gave from her poverty. She gave all that she had. And I remember I would tell that to people and I would do like stewardship talks and tithing talks and what does it mean to give money? But one of the things that I realized is, and a priest said, if I think it might've been at our, our seminary here at St. Mary's priest said, if I ever hear of any of you using that as a reason to give money, using that story when it's time to give money, I will personally come and kick your butt. 
because you're essentially saying you owe the church, the local church all your money all the time. And that's not true. But what the the reality is, is you and I have probably, I would say it's this, uh, uh, have to barely hold on to our money. C.S. Lewis, I think, said it best. He said, no matter how much money we have, we should always live as if we're uncomfortable because we're giving so much of it away. And, you know, and whether that's mm-hmm. to relief to development or to something even more for the poor, whether it's, you know, helping you know, people are called in different ways to give. And so one of the things that I hate is the hyper legalism of 10 percent donated to your local church and then that's it. But also at the same time, there is a lot of good stuff out there that maybe maybe if you're a nerd, like you're inclined to want to help, you know, disadvantaged youth make it to a Catholic college or something like that, as long as it's not run by a Jesuit. Huh? Uh, I said it. I said it and I meant it, Luke. Uh, One of my, my, my on-again, off-again spiritual director is a Jesuit. Yeah, does he run a college? Mm-hmm. Didn't think so. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the unique charism of the Jesuits is to open up colleges that have good basketball teams. Um, the, uh, the, but you know what I mean? Like Tithing is a requirement in the Old Testament. There's plenty of, of case in church history where the church, like literally, I think it's the Council of Trent that basically said, if you refuse to pay your tithe, you can be excommunicated. So th- there is a very heavy uh, history in the church of like, support your local church 10%. You need to do that because there's great need that you can do. Now, most Catholics give probably 1% at the most. And you have a handful of standout Catholics that give about five, somewhere between five and 10%. Do you think, I I, I mean, how we try to approach it here is, uh, like we tend to like okay we don't do the best to job of this if I'm being honest but, yeah, me neither. but the but the spirit is um the spirit is willing but the the wallet is yeah. weak <laughs> if i was going if like like the role that i tend to try to to uh to go with is that is that like for sure so like i'll do a thing with the 10% where 5% of that goes to the parish and then the other five percent goes to a variety of things, different yeah. nonprofits. Yeah. Uh, Your alma mater. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really important. Um, I don't know if it's really like. I mean, and, and some people um, might be screaming at us about this, so I apologize if you are. I don't know if the ten percent should always go to your parish, but I think a decent chunk of it should. Yeah, because it's the ordinary means by how God's going to work in your life. So yeah, yeah. I think it's it's important that you. Keep it going. Yeah. Um, like how many people say they believe in social justice, but they go to a parish where they are literally taking advantage of people who can't make a just wage, taking advantage of their services for their kids, their education, all this stuff. Most Catholics can't go. I'm, I'm an exception. But most Catholics who are employed by their local parish could never send their kids to a parish school unless there were yeah. generous exceptions made because a parish school, in most cases, not all, um, are insanely expensive that people who i mean my wife literally said to a man he's like hey you're looking forward to coming to our church school when your kids get older and she said not at not at our church back before we were married and she Mm -hmm. said i'd never send my kids to a school where someone who worked for the church couldn't afford to go yeah i would say probably i would not i have no idea if if this is true but i would not be surprised but that's that's not gonna stop you (laughs) yeah that's if that's the case about 90 percent of the time yeah i mean when you're looking at Six, seven, eight thousand dollars a year, and the average American is making sixty-five thousand dollars a year, and then gross, right? Mm-hmm. You you are looking at a significant portion of your income to fund the school. Now, I know, like at my school, my school uh, at my parish, excuse me, does a. I mean, the the reality is, once the nuns leave, 
and the, and I do mean N-U-N-S, once they leave, the cost of public of private school goes sky high because you have to Can pay for I, people. I, I've got a crazy-ass stat that I love to share, and I apologize if I have uh, brought up before on the podcast, but back in the day, you had I mean, 94% of your staff at, a, at like, of wow. all of the Catholic school teachers here in the country were a priest or a nun. Wow. Now it's 4%. Wow. That's how bad it is. Now I, re- so, I remember a nun telling me, she said, the, like, eight sisters at a high school made, like, $10,000 total a year. Like, all eight of them. And they were all they mm-hmm. were professors, teachers. They weren't just, like, the religion department. They thought all, all a bunch of stuff. And I was like, whoa, how do you live on that? And they're like, we live together. It's fine. Yeah. Like, we don't need it. We don't need that money. Our house is paid for. Our convent is paid for. We eat meals in common together. We don't have you know we're not we're not going yeah. out to movies every night like we don't have well, nice cars like we just it's a totally different style of life yeah. like totally just i mean you're in your own i mean that's kind of the point you're in your own world yeah and catholic nuns built american catholicism uh, like all over i mean it, there there is, is a um beautiful story of how i mean there were entire religious orders formed who was like to bring the sacred heart and immaculate heart to those who are working on the western railroad like like that was their entire religious order and all they did was serve the men working on the railroad so yeah uh without nuns catholic schools go sky high and so you do have so so if let's say i were to send my kids to catholic school and it were to cost me you know what it costs everyone else even though i'm a employee and i get discounts and stuff like that uh what should i count that as my tithe because i was about to say my school doesn't charge enough to cover all their operational expenses. So they have to do the fundraisers and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And people, I mean, which is pretty much every school yeah, for the most part. Because, like, your pay will pretty much cover your staff. Yeah. Sorry, like, just, just just really quick, just yeah. kind of like to, like, yeah. just, like, throw honest, um, on, honest numbers out there. The bulk of the time is that, so your staff cost, the, that's all of, that's all of the teachers, people who might help out with other things, that's about 80% yeah. for the most part. I would say that the bulk of catholic tuition barely covers that so you have anywhere from 20 to 25 up like 30 percent that you have to raise every school year in order to make ends meet i remember every so often i would volunteer in the middle school at a super impoverished school in our diocese and the principal who's like a five thousand year old nun sat me down one day and she said we haven't paid for teachers health care our share of it in like 20 years or 10 years, something like that. I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, we just hope the diocese is covering it because we can't. And you're like, oh. So for me, tithing, it, it is it is tricky. But I would say, I always tell people, if you can't give 10%, start with what everyone lives on a percentage of your income. Everyone does. Most Americans live on 104%. So look at your income, get yourself a budget, and then just budget 1%. And then next year, mm-hmm. budget 2%. And you won't even feel it. You really won't. And you'll start saving your money because you're giving your money a plan and a place to go that you will have more money at the end of your month than what you did beforehand by not paying attention to this stuff. Well, and also don't forget about your time. Like that's a big thing yeah. as well. If you can't like, give not, cash money, volunteer definitely. Yeah, like I've, I've definitely told. Like I think a lot of people who work at, especially coming out of college, yeah. college, and we were in our twenties more often than not. We really couldn't tithe that much, but we. 
Um, it was just kind of assumed, like, yeah, we'll help out on this retreat. We'll, we'll go yeah, on Yeah, but this we'll join trip. youth ministry. Of course. <laughs> no, like, yeah, we'll just do these little extra things and kind of, like, chalk it up as, like, this is part of my tithing. I, I will end it's it. my time. Yeah, our time is up, but I will say um, I was at an event where it was a mixed group of, of white and Latino predominantly. And I said, can I speak to the Latinos here for a minute? And they all started cheering. And I go, hold your applause. <laughs> then I said, listen. <laughs> I work with my Spanish-speaking ministries trying to build a better, stronger, more coherent Spanish ministry at my church. And it's difficult. It's an uphill battle because, and I understand, you feel like a second, many of you feel like a second-class citizen. I said, but you want to know how to break that cycle? I said, you start tithing and you start volunteering. When you show up en masse, you destroy the arguments of the people who would sideline you. And I, so I just looked at them and I was like, I'm going to stop talking now. But I do want to say... When you start contributing, you shut a lot of people up. I think that's, I would also say that's true with millennials. People, yeah, who um, are always like, what's going on? Why isn't there blah, 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 blah? Oh, my gosh. I had a group of people come up to me and say, why? You know what I really want to do? I want to address the fact that the church doesn't have blah, blah, blah. And I go, we do have that. And they're like, oh, no, I need to read the bulletin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next one. Our priest or the clergy generally in touch with culture or not what helps them to keep in touch with culture i have a lot of thoughts on this can i can i yeah you go start you start um i think uh oh how do i do this without without trying to insult my friends who are priests well you're Um, not talking about them per se it's not like we're telling saying all priests no no yeah so here's what i've kind of seen when they're in the seminary maybe not so much and then when they come out maybe not so much and then when they're, like, a little bit older, like, have, like, a year or two out of their belt, like, they totally are. And then with the older priests, I found that they kind of aren't. Mm-hmm. There's just this idea of, like, that's eh, fine. Or they just don't understand, like, the kids these days or how bad things actually are. Or what is, or the just what's, you know. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of tough because, like, what do you mean by in touch with the, with the, the culture? So, like, I think overall... They are, but it's really easy in that role to not be because yeah. you can just get so just like sucked in. And this is not through no fault of your own. Uh, you you have to kind of like make the time to be in touch, which you and I don't necessarily have to do. We just turn on our radio or we just talk yeah. to talk to, you know, members of like our family and stuff. And it's just it's just right there uh, and for and for a priest. You know, I don't have to worry about a call for at two in the morning to go to a hospital. Yeah. You know, so in touch with culture, if you're talking youth culture, I would say, I mean, across the board, no, uh, priests aren't because they're, they, people don't realize like you hinted at it. All of their time is absorbed. Like if a priest isn't careful 15 hours a day, seven days a week, he has all of his time gone. And Mm -hmm. the, the reality is he needs to carve out time and people need to help him carve out time. Um, I think we do have a false martyrdom complex where it's like, well, a saint is, you know, it's kind of like how you were talking about a few episodes ago. You know, we have this idea that hard work means, you know, if you're going to be a hard worker or or the new status uh, symbol is how many hours you're working or overworking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that can kind of happen in our Catholic faith when, you know, you look at stories like St. Jean-Marie Vianney, who, you know, spent 16 hours in the confessional and Padre Pio and all that stuff. And listen, confession awesome 
I th- priests should be in conf- we should have cultures of confession of going to confession. But I mean, there is this element where the priesthood can just ram you into the ground and and rob you of that kind of human value, human virtue. But seminary does a pretty good job of it, from what I hear. Seminary does a pretty darn good job. I think you hit the nail on the head. You are so busy in seminary. You're trying to be formed to be a priest. You're dealing with all your aspirations and mm-hmm. inspirations of yeah. what you're going to do. You're trying to take up all these new habits. You're trying to learn. You're trying to pray. You're trying to do all this liturgical stuff and memorize things, and you don't want to be a jerk, so you're studying pastoral stuff. And then it's like, what do you mean have time for a movie? Like, I'm, Yeah, and and you honestly just might not have time. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, it obliterates. I mean that in, a, in a bad way. No, I, I don't think, think you came across that. I just yeah, think it okay. obliterates. It really does. And if you're not careful... Ugh. So uh, the priests that I know that are in touch with clergy are in touch with youth, right? So if you want to stay young, volunteer for youth ministry. If you want to stay yeah, energetic. Here's the thing, yeah. though. What? I, I don't, like, I would agree. But, is okay, like, this is what I, if there's anything that, that could tell any priest, it would be this. Play to your strengths. And then be involved as much as you can, but in a way that plays to your strength. Now, you obviously have your, like, responsibilities as well. So saying mass, hearing on the confessions, oh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, if your skill isn't having to preach, doesn't mean that you don't say mass, yeah. obviously. I'm just saying that. So I, I, I would agree, like, get involved in, but, like, for, like, some priests, that just means maybe you just hear uh, hear their, um, hear their, you know, you don't have to be on the core team and the priest who's, like, getting the pie thrown in your face if that's not you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, if that's not you, and once you do it, you will become legend. You will be yeah. legend. I live, no, I live in the world of youth ministry, even though I'm not a youth minister. I constantly am doing teen stuff and all this. And I do have to say, the reason why we have a decline in priesthood is because there are very few priests just with the youth. Right? Uh, uh, I, I would not say that's that's the reason. I think the lack of a like model is our reason especially at Catholic schools. I'm talking a lack of a human child knowing a priest personally. Yeah, no, no, that's... That's, that's, that's why I don't just mean, I mean the model. I mean contact at all outside the mass. Very few... Why would a high school student think about the priesthood if he's never really gotten to know a priest outside of a homily? I mean, I, I really, really... That is the area of discipleship that I think has been obliterated by the sex abuse scandal and, oh, Father, he's always mm-hmm. hanging out with the young people. And it's like, well, cause, because they need the most formation, right? Like, or whatever it is, you know? And you think of someone like Father Mike Schmitz. You think Father, I've, Father Mike Schmitz is a disciple-making machine because Father Mike Schmitz, number one, is never gone from his campus on a Sunday because those are his people and he will always serve them on a Sunday. He's never, he's never going to leave his Newman Center, right? On a Sunday, and that is a strict requirement of his. If you if you ask him to do a parish mission, he'll say, "Sure, I'll fly down on Monday." You know, he will not come on Sunday, and that's huge and that's important because he sees that as his priestly responsibility to work with them, and he's mm-hmm. constantly with the youth. So you know, and Father Mike is a nerd; he's a nerd athlete, which really pisses me off. <laughs> like, pick one, pick one. Just drink Dr. Pepper and stop moving so much. Right? <laughs> I was giving this talk in in Plano, Texas, last week to middle schoolers and their parents, and I was like, "You guys ever heard of Father Mike Schmitz?" Father Mike Schmitz said, "Blah blah blah." One time, and I was like, "You ever heard of him?" Ladies, just do yourselves a favor and Google <laughs> do a Google image search for Father Mike Schmitz. I was talking to the adults. Mm, no, okay. 
His face is the face <laughs> of the new evangelization. <laughs> so what helps to keep him in touch with culture? I mean, crap, like Bishop Barron's in touch with culture. He doesn't work with youth or, you know, but he's in the media. He, you know, I mean, he's. That's his thing. Yeah. He likes it. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, he's, uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's like, what do you, I mean, because there's the culture in terms of enter, entertainment and then there's just like the, the general culture of the, the country. I think it's actually more important to be in tune with like what's like like the culture of the country but you can figure that out through also like different kinds of media as well just just listen to taylor swift and kendrick lamar on repeat and you're good yeah there you go priests you heard it here first (laughs) are you ready for it i have this idea ready for it i had this idea that i would put lyrics of taylor swift's latest album in every single show, but not draw attention to it and see if people could figure it out. If they did, I would send them like a $20 prize. <laughs> then I thought, uh, you've, been on a, you've been on a roll ever since the, the Derek Webb a- episode. Good job. Well, you mean actually responding to the people that give us money and our mm-hmm. listeners? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it really, it really means it's me. Yeah, yeah, I, you're right. Thank you, Luke. I love you. No, no, I, I agree. I'm just proud of you. I no, I know, but I was going to go off on a tangent about it, and I realize, and I have a clock ticking, and it says two minutes, and I was like, Oop, my tangent's going to be at least four. So I'm biological gonna... clock ticking. <laughs> my um, biological clock is ticking like yeah. this. I mean, I think, like, one thing I'll just add, I, I do yeah. think it's, um, I would say one other way to keep in touch is just to read maybe some, like, cultural, like, magazines or the newspapers or just current, like, blogs of the time, not so much the, not so much an echo chamber. Would you just, would you say that it would be helpful for them to have a newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other? So in one instance they could read the Times and in the other the Eternities. Okay, Chesterton wannabe. <laughs> uh, the third one. Uh, this is from our good friend Father Adam, I believe is the Patreon he supporter. Is, he is. Uh, retaining Christian charity while making a big purchase like a car, both familial and towards the seller Mm. 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 father adam retaining christian charity while making a big purchase like a car both familial and towards the seller uh well i just bought a car from my pastor (laughs) so that was interesting uh quiet nerd boy Mm. uh no i'm kidding keep going no i mean okay so here's my deal is i'm a family man who is quote unquote struggling to put food on the table for his family. I'm not really struggling, but it is hard. It is exhausting. There are some months where I can't really pay my mortgage unless I'm, and thank God for these last minute gigs that I get. Hey, I know it's last notice, but can you come here and give a talk all day? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we don't really have a budget. Damn it. But yes. Um, but when I, uh, no, man, you should focus on getting a good and just deal. Christian charity doesn't mean getting up. Uh, paying more for your money like yes i should pay you more because the lord loves you it's like listen i'm a priest don't rip me off i don't really have a huge income yeah yeah i i do think there's something to like trying uh, to nickel and dime a, a person as yeah. being wrong so like something where uh do doing everything you can't like there, I think there does get a point to where if you try to go so low that it's actually unjust for whoever i just i used to feel this way in college about certain people they would just always like like just try to go so like so like low to a point where i'm like you're just screwing people over who who like not who was doing it but like in what 
circumstance. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, um, uh, okay, let me think. Of course, now I'm drawing a blank. Um, if you, just for the record, if in my opinion, if you're two individuals, you're never screwing the other person over. Because that other person could always say, nope, that is way too low, and I'm not going to give it to you, and you walk away. Now, even, yeah, if they're, but, even if they're desperate I, to sell. I think, but there's also, like, taking advantage of people. That's that's kind of more like what I mean. Like, just this constant, like, uh, wanting a ride, eating other people's food. Yeah. Doing these things that are just kind of like, you're just using them. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I agree with that, but I'm talking about two people negotiating on the prices. Of yeah, no, Here's sure, the other sure. thing that we have to realize is in America, we hate negotiation. We really do. When you go to any other country, their markets, you can haggle the price all you want. Now, some may not, you know, the price of an apple might be a dollar in, you know, Morocco, regardless of how much you argue. But I mean, I'll never forget Father Luta, who came with us on a mission trip. He's, I think he's up in Washington State. He came down with our, our church. And we were in uh, Honduras and San Pedro Sula, this big market, and there's these cool black rosaries. They're actually cheap as sin, and you should not buy them. But I was going to buy it, and they were going to charge whatever the Honduran currency is. I can't even remember. But it was like the equivalent of like 20 U.S. dollars. And he talked them down to basically like 75 cents. Mm, wow. That's awesome. And I thought, how did you do that? And he said, these things are mass made in China. I don't even know why you're buying this. And I'm like, oh, because <laughs> I don't know. Stop it, father. Right. So I <laughs> sheepish. But those people were totally I mean, like, that's the art of negotiation that they're they always start way high because you might rope in a sucker or you might ro- who has the money or you might rope it or you might get someone who is going to undercut you and you just need to make a quick sale. And the other issue yeah. that I have, like my economics brain you know, goes off when two people are haggling over price and you have someone that's just like taking advantage of a desperate situation to drive the price even lower. Mm-hmm. I think there is an issue with Christian charity there, but also at the same time, people who are in a desperate situation need instant cash more than they need the thing. And so they're willing or being forced to part with it for an extraordinarily low price. That's why pawn shops exist, right? Mm-hmm. And there's issues with that. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, those people value less money now than more money later. So when anyone, even if you're rich and let's say your family has to move to overseas for this lucrative job and you just got to liquidate everything, you're going to sell your stuff for a really low price. And if you find out, oh, you're moving in a week, well, I'm going to offer you 10% of what you're asking and maybe you'll come down that. And a lot of times you'll be like, you know what? Yeah, I'll do that. That's That's part of the negotiating process because they're, value scale is more sensitive to the time and less to the price where yours is more to the price and less to the time. You can outweigh them show up at um, Friday, the day before they leave and be like, I'll still offer you $10 for that hundred dollar thing. They'll be like, fine. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, yeah, no, as long as you're not lying, Absolutely. committing fraud, misrepresenting what you're doing. Like father Tom, when he sold me his car, he literally came with a Kelly blue book printout from kellybluebook.com. And the CarMax printout, which is, you know, they want to buy your car. And mm-hmm. he goes, this is the cheapest one. You can pay me that price. I was like, cool, done. <laughs> like, I go, I'll do that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I just don't like, um, I just don't like when people just take advantage of people and things. They're just always yeah. trying to like, it just gets under my skin after. Oh, like, I mean, I, I totally agree. Like, you know. Um, Did I take advantage of you when I like stay at your house for free? Oh, no. No, no, but that's like... And I don't pay but, for any meals? 
It's charity. No, no, that's fine. Okay. But there, <laughs> no, but there, there is like this thing of like it, it just. It, I guess like why I bring up the example from college. College is just like constantly trying to like you know um, get things from other people. Yeah. After a while, I'm just like like there like there is I don't know like I I I, I think you're right. There, there is some point where like the charitable thing to the other person is to say no. Yeah. Like, no, you can't buy this pizza pizza off me. This is my dinner. Yeah. Like, stop asking. Come on, you know? man. Come on. Come on. Here's a dollar for, for a slice. Um, now, the smart thing to do is to order a bunch of pizzas, pizzas and sell them to hungry college kids for a dollar a slice and make that cash <laughs> money back if you can get yeah. a pie. Or, no, no, or if, like, you wanted to. I, I, I always thought that that was fine. Like, people who yeah. uh, did it. It was just more of the... Um, I don't know, gosh, yeah. there's, there's, like, there's this other thing that's on, like, the tip of my tongue, but I can't seem to formulate the thought, so. Mm, let's move on then, important. man. Let's move yeah. on. Uh, uh, man, I am looking at your your movie list. Best movies I of 2017. So, I love the Oscars. And I realize that I've only seen one of those movies. You bitch. Uh, I have seen <laughs> one, two, three three of them can i guess I, can i guess what three can i guess yeah yeah go I, I think you've seen dunkirk yep i think you've seen the darkest hour no oh man i was I relying on I, your I've, historical knowledge I've okay almost gone all right let me think let me think again out. okay i think dunkirk i think get yes. out yes because you're woke and i think mm-hmm. uh ladybird no i wanted to though i wanted to all i've right, seen I'm the done. post the post the post get out oh dunkirk, is that that meryl so. streep and Tom yeah, Hanks? Is it's, it, Tom Hanks? it was yeah. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. It's good, but it's a Steven Spielberg film. So I it, literally thought you were going to say Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> the Pope. Hepkido. <laughs> um, no, I'm very excited about. Uh, I, I I actually would like to see all of these films except Call Me by Your Name. I have some huge issues with that. What? Tell me and about that. Not, I don't know anything about so, that. Call me. So gonna, okay. Click 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 click. So click. it's a story about these two gay lovers. Uh, Go on. I believe in the 80s. And what what, what bothers me isn't that they're gay, but it's that the one is uh, in his 20s and yeah, the other one is he's like 17. Yeah. And I just I know that is illegal out in Italy, but it's illegal here for a reason. And I just think it's wrong. I, I, I just don't understand why that's OK. I have a huge issue with that. Uh, so call me by your, your name. I don't care how good it is. And I've and I've heard that they, that and I've heard it's great, especially just how it's made and stuff. It's just really really good. But got a ninety six on Rotten mm-hmm. Tomatoes. Yeah, uh, that really bums me out. So I think you want to know who's going to win. I think it's either going to be three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, <laughs> or uh, Get Out, or The Shape of Water. I, I would really like to. See, I mean, I want to see all of these, mm. but. Um, I think really um, you want to see Daniel Day Lewis's final movie, The Phantom Thread. Absolutely, I've heard such good things about that. Oh, okay. That's, I feel like I feel like if I'm going to watch movies like that, I have to first have some sort of like evening jacket that I wear, and then I have <laughs> yeah. to listen to at least a solid hour of avant-garde jazz, mm-hmm. and then pour you myself could, a brandy and then watch it. You got to be in the mood for a Daniel Day Lewis film because it's exhausting. And he's amazing. Like, Let's. I mean, I'm not saying he's oh, not a greatest amazing. actor ever. In the name of the Father just, is one of my. I mean, it's just an incredible movie. I love that there's, movie. But there's like, I mean, he, he's made like 12 movies. 
Yeah. I think he's, I mean, I would imagine he's got to be the biggest pain to work with on a set because he won't like respond to anything other than his character's name. He say, you know, he'll, he'll just stay in character the whole time making a movie. And that just seems exhausting, but it's, I mean, he's, I mean, he, he transformed. I don't, I don't know what the real Daniel Day Lewis is like. I have no idea. I don't know what, what his voice sounds like. I don't, but uh, that film Phantom Thread is about from what I understand, how your work can consume, you at the expense of others in your life and i think it kind of ties in with some stuff that we have talked about as well like not letting your own like ministry or your own work tear you apart from your from your like from your only family and stuff and it's all about that so then you have then you have like lady bird which is about going it's, it's really like a love letter to catholic schools so i'd like to see that but i think everyone should see get out it's really really good see the reason why i didn't want to see get out is because I hate horror movies, and I've had people say, "No, no, no! Don't think of it as a horror movie. It's more like a thriller. It's not horrific. You probably already know the the deal behind it, which I think I do." But mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's because I I felt the same way. It's not a horror film at all. I don't know why they even call it that. I mean, I, I, I guess some of like uh, I know I get why they call it a horror film because it, it fits that like it fits that genre the best in terms of like its pacing, I guess, and and it's like. And the, some of the like angles that it takes, but it's not a slasher film by any means necessary. It's barely scary. It's more just intense and interesting. So I, I really want to see Darkest Hour, though. I've heard, um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know. It's a big deal. Like I don't, I, I think the post was the was the big favorite uh, towards the end of the calendar year, but now it's. I think people are kind of starting to turn on the whole. You know, it's always a Steven Spielberg film, or it's always yeah. a. Scorsese film where it's always you know now it's um now it's more about just like what's really kind of it's like what film tends to fit the times and I think uh or what film just is kind of the most interesting for our times I think that's either Get Out or The Shape of Water mm. so those are my picks I mean if 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 I had to guess and I heard that the, the, that The Shape of Water is great as well so yeah, yeah. not don't know. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, my goal was actually um, be able to watch all these beforehand, but we decided to see Black Panther twice. Um... <laughs> yeah, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, is something I really do want to see. I like the actress. I think the it's got Bishop Barron liked the movie, and you know if he likes the movie, I may or may not like it. <laughs> I've heard it's overrated, but I I, I could be wrong. I mean, I could have read that wrong. Your butt's overrated. You know, I think, um, so which one do you think will win? If I had, uh, I think Get Out will. You think they'd let a horror movie win? Because it's, it's not a horror movie, though. And I know, it I is, know, but it's, it's still in that it's, genre. But it's, but it is that good. Yeah. Like, it is a very good movie. I don't think Dunkirk will win. No, I, I honestly. But Dunkirk um, was a special movie. Like, you knew. Dunkirk's phenomenal. Whole, yeah, it, it's, it's different. It's, it's, you slug through it. But uh, hmm. Mm. But it it doesn't fit the times though. Like people aren't interested in giving best picture to a to a World War II film with a bunch of white people. And, and I I don't think that that's bad th- that they won't. It's just it is the it's, zeitgeist. It's just, yeah, it's just kind of how it is. And yeah. I, um, but I I think I mean it is a phenomenal achievement and very short for a Christopher Nolan film. Very short. One of the. Uh things that people ask me when they ask if i've seen get out and they tell me i need to see get out is i'm always like <laughs> when i don't want to admit that i haven't because i'm scared of horror movies 
You know what I say? It's kind of like my my football thing where you say, um, oh, what's the line? Uh, you know, like, you know what they're due. Well, for Get Out, in order to hide the fact that you're a scaredy cat of horror movies, you say, yeah, man, uh, I, I, I would have voted for Obama a third time. <laughs> because that's a line that they use in the movie of like the mm-hmm. whole white guilt thing and all that stuff. And I was like, when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to use that line all the time. And every time I've used it, people have been like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, totally. You get it. I'm like, I do get it. I do get it. Uh, by the way, I, I would have voted for Obama for a third term if I could. Best president in my lifetime, hands down. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Woke. Uh, yeah. You don't want to know what kind of, I mean, I get it, but I'm a little bit bummed that the disaster artist wasn't nominated. It's a very good movie as well. Are you big, very good movie. Are you big into these award shows? Uh, deep down in my heart, yes. It's, it's very easy for me to ignore it. So if I really, like, if I'm getting just kind of tired of the whole, like, we're important. Um, it's, I can just, I cannot watch the Oscars and not think twice about it. At the same time, I really do enjoy it because I just love movies. So, uh, I can take it or I um, can leave it. But when I take it, I really do. Uh. I mean, let me put it this way. If I would love to have an Oscar party every year. Okay. So let me say this. I hate award shows. I hate them. The only reason why I watch them is because of the funny jokes of the people that they hire, not the actors introducing the very, mm-hmm. you know, but the, the whatever crazy thing, someone, someone, so I think Jimmy Kimmel's doing the Oscars. Um, yeah. So with that, I think that Hollywood is the most self-congratulatory organization that I've ever met in my entire life. And like, I mean, the Oscars, <laughs> it's a little ridiculous, the Academy Awards, ridiculous. the Golden yeah. Globes, the screen, what is the Screen Actors Guild Awards? Uh, the SAG Awards. Yeah. yeah like all the of these. The Foreign Press Film Awards. Yeah. The whole feeling in this room of reverence and honoring is the exact opposite of everything I have wanted my life to be about. <laughs> like six times a year, they all gather around wearing someone else's clothes and someone else's jewelry half naked and they go and they do except the men the men all look identical because they're all wearing tuxedos but then they go i mean like it's like hey this elite group of people completely cut off from the rest of reality you think a lot of me thank you right i I just i have no no i totally get that i i i mean listen i because it, i think we've kind of backed off this a bit but do you remember th- there was a time period i think it was like our tail end of when we were in college so the mid-aughts to the late off there's just like 50 million award shows yeah and that's kind of died off a little bit mtv um yeah like People's i don't care choice. About yeah i don't care about any of that stuff anymore hmm. um just give me one I, just go with the academy awards or the oscars shut the rest down shut it down <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I just enjoy because I, I like uh, just seeing what people think is important. And, you know, but like, I mean, to be blunt, a lot of a lot of well, OK, so a lot being the two the two critics that I trust the most. They both think that Dunkirk is the best film of the year. Doesn't mean that's going to win best yeah. picture because best picture doesn't always really mean the best film. It means more like what's the best picture of our time right now. Yeah. What's, what's so. the thing we're going to get yelled at if we don't vote for? <laughs> no, I don't think it's that. Well, actually, there is this uh, actually great joke that Jimmy 
Kimmel made last year that if you had that if you had like seen like Moonlight, you uh you like would have laughed. And only like a quarter of the people actually laughed. And he goes, "See, you didn't watch it." And they just then he just like moved on. The only way you could have gotten it, what he was talking about, is if you had actually watched <laughs> Moonlight. <laughs> that is awesome. Which was another great movie. Yeah. Um, you like okay, Moonlight? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I I, I know I haven't seen it. it is, it's it's just too much for me. It's too much. Very well done. It's very interesting. I feel like Moonlight is like just another one of these. Like I, I mean, I enjoy the 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 older male actor, the older guy, not the younger one. I've seen him in some stuff, and I like him. But I'm just like, I just, I just can't deal with these coming of age movies. <laughs> like even though that's supposed <laughs> to be one of the most unique, you know, obviously it's dealing with male homosexuality in the black community, but. The most unique were, I mean, you know, the whole thing of the transition from boyhood to masculine, the adulthood and all that stuff. But I just, <laughs> I literally feel like the Saturday Night Live skit where they're talking, where they're interrogating someone who didn't like, what's his name, Aziz Asari, as the answer, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had a whole skit where he said that he didn't really like, what's that vinyl record that you own, that soundtrack, La La Land. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know. Like, how are you going to make? They're like, how can you not like this? He goes, I don't know. How are you going to make a jazz movie and not have one black person in it? <laughs> then they start laughing. And then he's like, have you seen Moonlight? And he says that to the cops. And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that. well, so, yeah. Oh, so much respect. Oh, yeah. What do you like if you don't like La La Land? Huh? What do you like if you don't like La La Land? I don't know. I guess Moonlight. Oh, Moonlight. So good. Yes. Yeah. Moonlight's so important. So good. Yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Did you guys see it? Oh, you know, uh, no, but I want to. I just can't get myself to go. Yeah, just because I know it's going to be a whole thing. What do you mean a whole thing? Hey, don't try and turn this on us, you sick pervert. But, you know, I haven't watched it because it's like a thing and you got to be in the mood for it. I totally feel that way. I'm like, it's like a thing and I got to be in the mood. And I, I realized the other night I realized I just want things to blow up when I'm in the movie theater. When like, I'm at, you just want to see action films? Yeah, like when I'm at home, I will watch a lot of these types of movies, especially if they're on Netflix. But when I'm in a movie theater with the big speakers, who wants dialogue with a big speaker? I mean, come oh, on. I see. No, but it looks be- like it's, no, it's totally different. Like, I think one of the one of the films that should be on here that is not is Blade Runner 2049. That is one of the most beautiful films that I've ever seen. It was incredible. And you only get that at that whole immersion thing if you see it at um at the theater like now wide screens are getting closer to that but it's just there's something about it like i i I didn't really understand this till i went so when we were in colorado we used to go to the alamo draft house it's this great hipster movie theater well you can't talk at all in there you can't have like a cell phone on it's that they they are like serious about that it's phenomenal and uh but they'll show like old movies all the time which is kind of a thing and we went and saw ghostbusters and it was a different experience a film yeah. that i've watched 30 times i mean honestly probably 30 times yeah and there were things that i had there were like small jokes that i had um, that, that i had i um, never caught because it just really works on a bigger screen have i told you that i've never seen the first ghostbusters only the second one like a million times what the fuck i know right i was waiting Are you for serious that. yeah not weird because it used to come How? on hbo the second ghostbusters came on hbo all the time and the first one never did and so i always just saw the second one a million times when you were a kid would your parents just like not allow you to watch it like are you kidding me i watched jean-claude van damme movies (laughs) when i was seven babysitting myself at home we would literally go to hollywood (laughs) video and i would get 
blood sport and double team, which is pornographic. And uh, <laughs> did you see the one with him and uh, uh, yes, him and like, Dennis Rodman? I, I, yes. <laughs> oh, I just spilled my beer, um, but it was empty because I have a drinking problem. Um, that's so funny. I remember there were people in my parents' community that did not allow their kids to watch Ghostbusters. So at that age, I had um, no one to talk about it, to talk about it with for the most part. <laughs> oh, little, little Lukey is literally the, the most culturally uh, significant <laughs> moment of your life. And you're looking around and they're like, oh, no, in the future, you won't let your kids read Harry Potter. Ah! <laughs> I know. I totally like. Man, I uh, and I, I think my parents actually did a really good job. Like I wasn't I, like I could see Ghostbusters two, but I was not allowed to see Terminator two. Like that was the line. Oh, that's see, um, my family's part. the exact opposite. I gorged myself on ultra violence, which is funny because I hate slasher horror movies. Mm-hmm. And the closest I ever came to that was kind of like the over the top action movie in the eighties, where you know, like like RoboCop, where. The squiddies would burst and there's blood everywhere and all this stuff. But I watched like movies like Bloodsport and Predator and all. I've never seen Predator. All of the Schwarzenegger Stallone movies, every single Mm -hmm. movie made in the 80s and 90s, I have seen. I guess because my mom and my mom and my dad, my mom's more of a movie person, but they like those movies and they would just rent them. They're like, oh, yeah, I liked it. Totally forgetting about all the boobies and all the butts. (laughs) And I'm seven, <laughs> you know. It's like, well, okay. What's that? What's that movie with Tommy Lee Jones where he's the bad guy and he's going against Steven Seagal? Oh, they made like Under Siege? three Under Siege. I loved Under Siege. <laughs> I Tommy, never saw it. Tommy Lee Jones was awesome and has this crazy bad guy. But there's a whole scene where this girl pops out and her boobies pop out of it. She jumps out of a cake as a to surprise the admiral or something like that. And it did happen a lot in the eighties. All the a lot time, of like, it was like, yeah. it was it was a TNA extraordinaire. That was, <laughs> and I didn't realize that until I got older and looked back on these movies, you know, kind of you know going to confession and such, and uh, doing an examination of conscience, being like, wow, that stuff was really everywhere. It was everywhere. Yeah. So now you know no, why funny. there's like pinup magazines with women in bikinis holding you know rocket launchers and stuff. <laughs> this makes no sense. Miss- oh wait. Yeah, I missed all of that. So, like, the only real film of that time period that I really enjoyed was uh, Tango and Cash because it was on Love TV. Tango and Cash. <laughs> so I remember uh, when I was in high school or something like that, we, like, went and we, uh, we, <laughs> or that or, 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 I, I watched it on HBO or, like, we, we like, rented it or, or something. And, it, you know, like, has boobs. And I remember being like, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was on TV. <laughs> that is true. There was a bunch of those types of movies. Saturday Saturday afternoon movies that I would consume. Uh, mm-hmm. We are way over our 10-minute time limit. But um, <laughs> like We started with the Oscars, and we ended up talking about Tango and Gat. And we talked about boobies. <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China. Um, I, I also want to say something. I, we, need to, we need to address this right now, Luke, and I feel really bad. Let's do it. Last week in our confession episode, I did not tell the story of Pope John Paul because you I thought it was so funny. It was. And in my head, I was like, I'll circle back. Don't worry. I'll circle back. Don't worry. And then we ended up, I, like, I ended up editing about 15 minutes of our catechetical program that we had in the middle of our discussion, not, or, yeah, discussion over instruction that never made it to the show. But that's what threw me off. So here's the story real quick. I'd like to tell you about how I was. No. So Pope John Paul was meeting with an American priest. The American priest was spending the day in Rome. 
He leaves St. Mary Maggiore, which is one of the, it's a cathedral or a basilica church known for confession. There's millions of confessionals inside. And he sees a homeless man. And the homeless man stood out to him. He didn't know why. It just kind of burned him in his brain. Spends all day. And then he realizes that homeless man was a seminarian with him, got ordained with him back in the United States. How did he end up homeless? So he hightails it. So he tells the Pope. He meets the Pope. And the Pope says, he's like, you know, what, what's going on? And he's like, well, I got this heavy thing on my heart. Like, I saw a brother priest. And he says, go and find him. Our meeting's over. Go and find him. Bring him back here tomorrow. So they reschedule the meeting for the next day. He goes and finds this priest. And he's like, what's going on? And the priest, oh, yeah, I remember you. Oh, my gosh. Like So they go back to his hotel. He lets him shower, cleans him up, gives him a cassock, and tells him that the Pope wants to see him. And he's freaking out. And, uh... You have, uh, you know, he's freaking out because he doesn't know what he's going to do. So then he goes to the Pope. And so both these men are there. They're talking with the Pope. And the Pope says to the one guy, like, um, I want, uh, he asked him to leave. And so he's talking with the homeless guy. And he says, I want you to hear my confession. And the homeless, or yeah, the homeless guy freaks out. And he's like, you can't, I can't do that. I'm not a priest anymore. And he said, once a priest, always a priest. And he said, well, how can I hear your confession? He says, well, first you confess to me. So the guy does. So he I, I guess basically he got disillusioned and drug addiction and all this stuff changes his life. You know, it was this watershed moment. And then the Pope gets on his knees and goes to confession to this priest after he reinstates him, calls the other priest and said, where'd you find this man? Oh, St. Mary Maggiore. Okay. Your job now is to serve your homeless brothers and sisters as their priest on the streets of Rome. And I, I'm pretty sure he worked with the almoner um, of the Vatican and in, in doing that. So, that is the JP2 story that he not only demanded to see this man and interrupted his entire working schedule so that he could have an encounter with this guy, but then he humbled himself to go to confession to this man, which led to this man's reconversion back to the faith. So that's the mm -hmm. Pope John Paul confession story. No, it and it is a great story. So sorry, angry Catholic. Yeah. And Alex, uh, we did do so much on confession. We didn't answer the age old question face to face or behind the screen. Luke. Yeah. Uh, I do behind the screen now. I used to be a big, I used to be a big face to face guy, but now I'm all yeah. about behind the screen. I'm all about that base. Yeah, I, um, unless I am going to my spiritual director, I am 100% behind the screen, which should probably be evident if I'm the kind of guy who doesn't feel like he can go at his own church, disguises his voice, and if he does go to his own church. <laughs> one time I physically ran away from the priest because I thought he was trying to find out like, cause I disguised my voice. If he thought like, I think that sounds like Mike Gormley. And, uh, and I hear the door shut or the doorknob jiggle. And I like bolt out of the chapel, which is absurd. And then I hear this <laughs> side door open that I had just ran through. So I ran and I dive into these little St. Anthony cove. And then I'm watching the priest and he pops his head out and he looks around the whole church. And I'm like, Holy crap, he is looking for me. And then he pulls out his cell phone and he goes, okay, there's no one here in the church. Uh, how can I help you? And he was taking an emergency medical call. Then he was just trying to get away from other people. And I thought he was tracking me down because I was a habitual mortal sinner. Anywho. Yeah, I don't know why I like doing it behind the behind the screen now. But I think, it's, I think there's just like something about the anonymy of the priest that I kind of that yeah. I like. Although I, I, I do think there is power doing it. Based, like some of the, I mean, really. Yeah. My two, the two best confessions I've ever been to have, were face to face, so it's not like it really matters. But yeah, I have had a I lot of know. great face to face confessions, but I prefer when I'm doing my devotional confession where I'm going regularly. I prefer to be behind the screen because you know what? 
one time on a retreat. I've only had what I would classify as a bad confessional experience. I was just thinking about this the other day. I went on this retreat. It was a great retreat. You know, one of these <sighs> formulaic retreats. And it was great. <laughs> Everything was great. I had no problems with any of it except the confession. And this priest, everyone's like, oh, you're going to love this priest. You're going to love it. And I was just going to him because out of the seven priests that were there hearing confession, I've never met him or seen him in my entire life. And so I go and I sit down and I have all my, I, he's a, you know, where's your piece of paper? Well, I, I know my sins. I, I go to confession regularly. I know how to do an exam. And he goes, okay, okay, great. So, and he cuts me off. And then he, he goes, wait a second. Are you that Mike Gormley guy who's going to give a talk? And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, just don't, don't bring that up. I'm trying to stay anonymous. Did I volunteer my name? No, I did not. Good, sir. So that, 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 that threw me for a loop. That's the only time face to face has ever been wanky, wanky, wonky for me. <laughs> wanky. <laughs> Oh, that's all good. Mm, that's very different. Quick, Luke, change the uh, subject. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a fast one for you. Luke, yeah, yeah, go. The importance of being punched in the face. My buddy Ray Penny. The importance of being punched in the face at least once in your life. Have you ever been punched in your face? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, as a kid, you get into fights with people, but not like in like not not like not in a way where I'm like, then that happened and I was changed. Yeah, he he was like an officer in the Marine Corps and served like Ooh. a tour in Iraq and a tour in Afghanistan or two tours in Afghanistan. God bless him. Yeah, he's a he's a baller. Thank you for your service, sir. Actually, he wrote an article on how he really hates it when people say thank you for your service. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. No, um, it's okay. It's like dealing with people in Ireland. You never know what to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I've never been punched in the face except in third grade by a girl named Renee, and she clocked me, and I cried, and I tried to punch her back, and, <laughs> and I failed, and everyone laughed at listen, me. Listen, um, it's all about. Equality, man. Uh, but, 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 but what was I going to say? No, I, I do think that he's getting at something that's like you need to fail and just have like it's the important of being like humbled in a way that like really hurts. Yeah, it is important. I it is it, character building. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I if there's one thing that I wish I could tell myself at the age of like 12 years old, I wish I could just go like, hey, man. Okay, well, let's start here. Let's change the glasses. Your face doesn't really work with like round glasses. And two, your hair. Like, we don't need to be so like poof. It'll be a thing in like 2000, and that's kind of cool. But like right now, nah, let's just like, you know, just like I'm gonna keep it short. It works, man. Okay. Two, the jorts. Can we stop that? Three, <laughs> you're gonna fail a lot, and that's gonna be totally fine. And that just happens. And then you move on. Yeah. Because I just think it's it's there's just something about like, um, I I just uh, gosh I heard a really great quote about you know, it's it really is the best way to learn. Yeah, really. I don't know. Like, uh, can I ask you? Um, eh, no, no. I agree. I agree. I no, think a- ask ask. No, well, I mean, I was gonna kind of like answer and then move the thing to oh, something else okay. and then end the show. Go, go. Are you more David. sad when, when an animal dies in a movie than when a human dies in a movie? Okay, here's the thing about that. I get what they're asking. It, dep- like, it depends on what the emotional stakes of the film are. If, the, if you're supposed to be attached to, if, if the characters are animals and you, it's okay to get upset if they die because film's about emotion. It's about yeah. beauty and and emotion. Those It's like film is about what you see it's like what you um, uh, see is just as important as what you feel while you watch it's kind of how it works which is why i make out during movies exactly <laughs> if people get upset that like an, like an animal dies it typically means that uh it's a good film because they have an attachment to one of the characters yeah i mean the reality is if 
a dog gets killed in a movie, like in John Wick, you're meant to feel nothing but sorrow for that yeah. dog. But totally. you're not meant to feel sorry for any of the Russian gangsters that killed that dog. <laughs> exactly. So the like, answer but is, you... but, but now let me think of a, can you think of a movie where animals were killed where you didn't care? Because usually if an animal dies, they're kind of drawing your attention to it. Because animals are innocent in that regard. Like, yeah, they're not humans. Yeah. They don't have the value of human beings. But at the same time, they're not the jerk who's murdering people. I remember in, um, oh, what's the movie? Arnold Schwarzenegger, True Lies, True Lies. Another movie I saw when I was too young. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, parents, for giving me a solid Christian foundation <laughs> for porn addiction. So in that movie, he, he's running. In the very opening scene, he's running. And there's these two Dobermans, and they're coming after him. And he turns around, Schwarzenegger turns around the last incident and goes, Hi-ya! and he karate chops the necks of the two dogs into each other. But they, the movie goes to pains to show him that he just stunned them. He did not kill them. But when I saw that, it was the only time I ever cheered when an animal got hurt because it was Schwarzenegger, and damn dog deserved it. That was that was nineteen ninety two, and it's and it's oh, and it is what you did. Um, <laughs> I had a oh, man. really oh, man. What is? I had such great points, and then I lost it. No, it's okay, Luke. It's an hour and eight minutes in. We have a it's show. Not okay, Luke. We, we have did two a hours show. last time. We did two hours. We must yeah. know. Uh, it's time for this. We, a lot of g- good movie talk. Yeah, a lot of good movie talk, but also I'm liking the second page. Talk. I'm liking the second page of questions. Sarah Hamilton's question. There's, no, uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of good good stuff in here. Colton Jones on Jordan Peterson. Ah, Jordan Peterson. Love that man. I love him because some people don't don't I'm like him, especially one person in particular. Who? <laughs> Type his name, Luke. Type is Greg. Type is Greg <laughs> name. Type Greg. Is it Greg? No, it, it's not. Damn. It's not great. It's not Greg. Oh, you sent it. I thought you were going to type it in the Google Doc. Oh, oh no, my goodness. I can't. Well, oh, yeah. So you like him because that guy doesn't like him. No one likes that guy. Yep. Luke, Luke just yeah, sent know, me right? a name over Skype, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I will love anyone that that person hates. <laughs> yeah, he like, he can't. He's always like, I want to debate him, and he's not listening to me. Blah. <laughs> I'm like, no one cares about you. Stop it. <laughs> they are they are fairly close to each other, but uh, in lo- location wise. Anywho, that's uh. all I'm gonna say, so people can infer who we're talking about. Um, <laughs> I, I do, I, Sarah Hamilton. I want to say your question is very uh, interesting, and I want to talk about it on NFP and the struggles and all this stuff. I have a, a person that I want to talk to and bring on the show who's like an NFP expert practitioner person, and uh, yeah, just kind of bouncing around about stuff about that because. What do you do when your cycle is completely out of control and you're trying your best to avoid pregnancy because you do have grave reasons, but outside of buying a lot of expensive equipment, you feel like this is a <laughs> this is a game for rich people. So we can talk about it. Um, yeah, and that's it. Luke, we are going to go. We're going to spend some time together in May. I'm so excited. If you're going to be at the Young Adult thing in D.C. in May, it's a, a huge, it's a huge summit. Uh, we're, we're going to go and I'm going to try to, uh, re, you know, repair some burnt, some burnt bridges. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Luke. I'm not. <laughs> it's going to be the exact opposite. <laughs> Luke, this, no, is, this, is, this is my predictions for the young adult leaders summit in preparation for the Senate on youth. My prediction is Luke is going to be extraordinarily angsty. And dismissive of people and conversations for three-fourths of the event itself. And I'm going to be, like, loving it and taking notes. And then somewhere along the lines, Luke is going, the person he hates the most, he's going to drink with. 
and he's going to find out that he actually really likes that person. And you know what? The first three quarters wasn't that bad anyway. Recontextualize the entire event. Is uh, you're going to start seeing all of the flaws start complaining about it. I'm like, hey, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, and it's just going to be a switch. I'm going to be like, well, Sherry Waddell says, and then I'm just going to lose my mind. <laughs> and I'll be like, stop making an idol out of intentional disciples. Uh, I say, I can't help it. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. <laughs> Her ah. writing has stories, and it speaks to my heart. Yep, uh, yep, 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 no, yep, yep. So if, if uh, you're going to be at this, uh, it is invite only, so don't, don't even try if you don't have the invite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's literally uh, a password uh, you have to enter. I'm actually really excited about that because it's just, it's just people who are like kind of have a stake in the game. Uh, I'm excited because no, apparently three-fourths of the lay young adult representatives are from Texas. <laughs> That's what you wrote, oh, are from freaking Texas. No, that's not what I wrote. It was someone on Twitter who wrote that. But, no, our friend Steve of the Missionary is going to be there. I don't uh, know if I should say that or not. Maybe we should edit that. No, I think he said where he works now. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah, Sorry, Steve. Well. Green jacket, yellow jacket. Who gives a shit? Uh, <laughs> very excited. So if, if you're going to be at that, please uh, tell If you're going to be at that, air- Luke is getting an Airbnb for us. So we that are. we can have a nightlife. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and I am very scared <laughs> that I'm not going to be invited back by my archdiocese <laughs> to any such event. No, no. I just I just think it would be better just to have I just, I, at things like this, I enjoy having an Airbnb over staying on site. Because on site, it's going to be a weird retreat place. It's gonna, I don't know. <laughs> no, thank you. I love the way you think. All right, Luke, uh, do you, mm, where can people find you? Hmm. Uh, at the Luke V on Twitter, we're on the Facebook at facebook.com slash catching foxes podcast Instagram, uh, which we update about once or once or twice a week uh, at catching underscore foxes. And I don't really do the Snapchat anymore. So yeah. everyone good. Where can they find uh, you? Uh, don't accept in two places the Facebook page, facebook.com slash see foxes podcast. What is it? Catching foxes podcast. What is our Facebook uh, page? Catching Foxes uh, Podcast. Catching Foxes. It's the Twitter that's at C Foxes. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So find me on Facebook or you could go to catchingfoxes.fm and contact us. That goes to my email address. Yes, or, we love the emails. Or you can go to patreon.com slash CF where uh, I will do my best to respond to every comment and thing. I want to. I do want to point out something. Last week, I decided to release... The full episode. To me, the episode is divided into three big chunks. The opening fun stuff, goofy stuff, the Black Panther review, and the thing on confession. Wakanda forever. The thing on confession. Never stop saying that. The thing on confession is was an hour long after I edited the hell out of it. It was an hour long. And I was thinking, I'll just make this the show. It'll just be this. But I was like, no, but that's not. we're not as funny. And I need the funny in the beginning. But then when I was looking at the Black Panther, I had originally completely cut Black Panther out. And I had to go back and re-edit all this stuff and put it back in. And I just thought, Black Panther could go on our Patreon thing for our Patreon supporters. But, like, everyone's talking about it. Why would I keep, like, the most, like, hey, we want to learn about the, you know, like, what's your take on Black Panther? Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, you know what? Stephanie. Stephanie, who's on Facebook and she's on Patreon, she's the one that said, you know, I always get a little bummed when I see it's less than an hour. And I was like... The whole thousand true fans, all that stuff. Stephanie's a true fan. So I, I literally totally. said in my head, I have to release this for Stephanie. So I put it out there. And then, of course, you went on your stupid retreat. 
And so when you get back from your stupid retreat, I was driving to Plano to give a talk. And so we couldn't record a, a Monday episode for our Patreon supporters. But that's yeah, why sorry, we didn't have one because it was a two-hour episode of fan service. So I really did think I, – I thought it was important just to point that out. Like I – and and it was a good call because even though it's our longest show we've ever done, excepting the five – lost shows that will never be played which all were at least two hours <laughs> two and a long. half hours <laughs> every episode two and a half hours um geo cities the, <laughs> the thing is uh that episode has more it just has an extraordinarily high number of downloads uh, i won't say numbers ten thousand, yeah. but it has a high number of ten thousand <laughs> downloads and it's awesome and so i was like well i now know nothing about our audience we do short shows. They get a <laughs> little downloads. No we get it long makes ones. No sense. Yeah, I, I, we and they're just... all like they, they're like great spiritual Catholic stuff. We did a whole episode on superheroes, and it's like thirty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I really like the last episode being Black Panther, goofy dick jokes and stuff, and a great thing on confession. I thought it was a great thing. Yeah. Did you listen it's... to the episode yet? I have no. I've been so busy oh, since we re- recorded. No, I need to tell you about this retreat too. That might be a. I would like to be part of the Patreon. Okay, well, I have to like go I, now I because I. Stories. Okay, can we do it? Can we do it tomorrow right. or something? Yeah, hey, I do need to touch base with you. Really, uh, okay. or, or we can do it on uh, tomorrow. But just about one thing, really, really quick. Okay. So, all right. Thank you guys for being a part of this. You guys are awesome. We love you all. Uh, and, yeah. and we have some ideas for some live shows. So if you want us to come to your neck of the woods, we already have one person immediately reach out and be like, I'll host a live show at my house. We can hold 50 people. And I was like, oh, I love you. <laughs> we can go to Munchies 420. Um, yeah. So anywho, <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. All right, Luke, I'm pushing stop right. in three, two, one. Oh, 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 oh wait, 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 wait. I was sorry. Three, three two, one. Three, two, one.